I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. And when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going. So I opened up. We're only the small little fish out there, so we are on the... We're trying hard to make it through, but it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know, and it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Waterford today because, like, I'm, hard, I'm heartbroken. Have to start off with an apology to Kilkenny Club, uh, Roar Innes Teog because I really did a hatchet job on their club last Monday and I, I didn't get away with it, let's just say. I've been, I've been pulled up on this. We know I have a weakness for mispronouncing club uh, names. Uh, usually people let it slide, but this one, this was Eddie Kerr's club. So, like, I mean, this was like, what kind of idiot are you? And not only, not only am I being called an idiot, is like, um, why don't you get someone that knows anything about hurling onto the show? <laughs> like, I mean, people are really taking this to heart that I got this this wrong. In my defence, I'd never heard it. I'd actually never heard the name of that club before. I don't know why. And I'd have a keen interest in Kilkenny hurling. Um, they, they, they've only ever won one county title. That was 1968. I wasn't born. Um, they lost two finals in 76 and 77. Look, I was born in 1978. Look, I have an excuse for all of this kind of uh, stuff. Now, they did win an intermediate All-Ireland in 2014. I don't know why I was asleep that year or whatever. So anyways, um, Roar in his Teog. There you go. There's my apology. Thanks to Mary Ling, who was very polite. Um, the way she pulled me up with my mistake, unlike others who, let's just say, we're not as we're not as as polite. Great, we can move on now. Um, we have to get out to Scaries, Conan, because this is a uh, big controversy. You couldn't just end the year after making a county quarter final. You know, go going down with a fight against uh, with, with a good fight against St Jude's. You know, draw a line in the sand. What a great year for the club with the senior footballers. Ye have to go into a tick. Talk scandal, and now the club is shut down, Conan. Look, you're going to have to take it up from here. I, I have to say, Willie, it was more fun when we were talking about your mistakes. <laughs> um, yeah, like that was a bit of a a bit of a mess. Like um, everybody, well, most people have probably seen the the video by now. Like, but um, yeah, obviously, like a few of the the girls and someone play on the ladies team they contracted the virus they didn't know at that stage they had all tested um or they had all gotten tests and then they were on tiktok then just guessing who would now be positive because of what they had done in whatever whatever night they were talking about and and that, like that went to the length of like i think she's going to get it because she was licking her face and there was a picture of it and it was like oh just not a not a good look for uh for scaries and how everybody how everybody sees it but but then like you have to say like that that was really stupid there's no excuse for it and look they, they were told as well like and they've had it really apologies the whole club shut down the soccer team out here as well shut down you know it had knock-on effects for families and and like working life as well so like you know it's it's very embarrassing for them but i think the reaction then has just been been mad because it's just been thousands and thousands of people just now lining up looking to abuse them basically and there's just no end to it and i don't get 
what the point of it is. It's like if 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 you want them to know how stupid they were and how bad this is, then they already know. Like you don't need some random person out from down the country just basically calling them every name under the sun. So there's a there's definitely a fine line there, and they're they're getting their all deal still. Yeah, but like, let's let's make a case for the defence, right? So without this TikTok video, the club would be shut down, right? That was going to happen anyways. Yeah, like definitely because like there was yeah, uh, somebody test somebody test yeah somebody tested positive and they're close contacts. Now it looks like they socialise together. They're bloody teen are they're, te- they're young they're young enough girls, right? Whether they're yeah. teenagers or a little bit older, they're young girls. They met up at the weekend. They one of them ended up testing positive. The rest of them were close contacts, and they speculated about which of them could have got it, right? Look, let's be honest, lads. If if someone in our office got the coronavirus and they tested positive and they came back into the office, told everyone tested positive, would we not be ringing each other saying, right, Jesus Christ, I, I actually sat down for lunch with him. I could have it. You know, it, they just speculated. Now, obviously doing it on TikTok and treating it in such a blasé manner, but they're only young. They don't, it's not as serious to them as it is to, you know, older people. And they're only young girls. I don't think this is a huge scandal. They speculated about which one of them might have had it, and which is normal. It's the manner in which they did it and it going public on TikTok. That's the stupidity. But listen, hands up anyone listening who wasn't stupid when they were young. Like, I mean, if this isn't this isn't the worst crime in the world. I think there's been a huge, way too much of an overreaction to this. Yeah, so, I, I do agree. Like, and, and I know you agree as well. That it's just it's so stupid. Like we were talking about, like what we would do in the office. Like I, I wouldn't be licking your face anyway. Not every day in the office, <laughs> <laughs> you know. So obviously, what they're doing there is just incredibly stupid. But like that's what I'm saying. They have people on the team, like on the ladies' team, who are frontline workers. So they, like, they had no qualms about telling them exactly how stupid, how selfish that they were. And yeah, like young people need to be told that as well. Like, and as you say. Like, who hasn't made a mistake when they're young? Except we're lucky enough that we didn't have social media when we were growing up making those mistakes. And look, yeah, yeah. they know it was stupid. But now, like, it went to the extent where you had uh, Cal Crow, a TD in the doll there, who were calling them treasonous and saying it was akin to manslaughter what they had done. Like, that was, that was like, great stuff. That was yesterday. So, like, it definitely has gone way too far, the, the reaction. They, they did wrong, but, like, that's just crazy stuff. Yeah, but wait there, before I come to you, Conor, just one more question, Conor. They didn't know there was one of their friends had a positive case while they were licking their faces. This They, they found this out after, so they were just messing on a night out, which is... Listen, if people think that young people are not messing like they used to on a night out, then they're living in, in cloud cuckoo land. That's it. Like, they, they didn't know. Like, they got the test in hindsight, and then when they were speculating, one of them had already tested positive then at that yeah, stage. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, God, well, now I'm in trouble because she licked my face. <laughs> it sounds ridiculous. But but then the rumours started spreading, and it was like, yeah, somebody called it a COVID party, where it was, I think well, that, that, that TD actually called it a COVID party, where they were deliberately trying to spread it, and people had talked that they had been... Uh, spreading rumors that they had done it in restaurants on purpose and stuff. It's just stupid stuff like that. Oh my god! Yeah, you. I don't know, uh, Connor. What's your take on this? Young girls don't take COVID too seriously. It's not quite the headline, um, shocking headline to me. You've summed it up really well there. I was just going to butt in there to say, and Conan, Conan got in there first to say that like uh, this is the 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 mistake they made was to think that putting a video out like TikTok wouldn't get out. I suppose like there's every as soon as they put that on TikTok, there was every chance it was going to spread around and people yeah. get thick about it. But like, Jesus, catch yourself on when you're coming to the extent of the reaction for for a TD like that to mention that in the doll to call it tantamount to treason and to mention the word manslaughter for something like that. Jesus Christ. I was only glad that somebody uh, his name escapes me, the Labour TD 
there was a Labour response to it and he started off. If you're saying something in the doll that says and you're starting off saying, I saw a video on TikTok. Well, then we're we're in trouble. So he he mounted he mounted a very good defensive. It was Don- good Duncan stuff. Smith, I think it was. Yeah, Duncan. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so it was a very good response. You've summed it up there. Just young girls being stupid. They know the consequences. The, the clubs have been shut down. I'd say they're feeling bad enough about that. Never mind, you know, haven't seen um haven't seen a TD saying stuff like that in the dolls. So listen, they're stupid. They'll learn from it. But like Jesus, like calm down with the reaction. Exactly. I couldn't agree more. Hello, lads. So they're, we're supposed to find out this evening if they're going to be back into the Longford Championships. It's gone to the DRA. And I just got a text there not long ago saying that that's been postponed um, until tomorrow. Unless that text was sent yesterday and I only received it today. So it's either tonight, it's either this evening or, or it's tomorrow. Like, I mean, this has really, you know, created an awful lot of controversy in in Longford. Like, I mean, it seems like a very we we don't want to go back over what we've said about this. Forty eight weeks is crazy, and I got some information that the the mediation that we were wondering about with Porrick Duffy, that mediation was in relation to the forty eight weeks. So Kilo thought it was too much, and Porrick Duffy was trying to see what would be agreeable um, from both sides. So um, we're at a situation now where it's gone to the DRA. Uh, Mickey Quinn was talking um, on Off the Ball during the week and he's talking about saying we're a traditional Irish GA club, two pubs, a church and a GA pitch in our community. So you can only imagine how important a GA is for the likes of Kilo at this time, especially the way things have been going over the last uh, couple of or number of months. At the moment, we have five referees. They're members of the club. They're not allowed to officiate any games. And I thought he was kind of hinting that the county fellas wouldn't be able to play county either. I think they probably wouldn't. Now, I heard this is only adult teams that... Um, are uh, banned from playing, so it's not the it's not the juvenile it's not the juvenile teams. But like I mean, uh, Mickey Quinn, county players not playing with the county. Longford have really shot themselves in the foot here, Connor. There's no doubt about this. It's a total mess. It's a total shit show, and it's their own doing. Yeah, absolutely. And like I was just trying to think, like, is there a precedent for for a club getting a ban, a ban of this, a ban of this nature? And I and I can't think of anything. And from the face of it, Woody, like I, I just think that something is not right here. Surely there has to be something at play here that goes beyond the failure to pay a seven hundred and fifty pound fine, which has since been been paid back. They're just the extent of this ban seems ridiculous. And I was listening to Mickey Quinn and what he was saying, and he he kind of said like. He he takes he takes the point that like if you're looking on this from the outside, it seems like there's more to it. But he said that yeah. the more you read into it, the decision the decision actually beggars belief. He said that himself. And like from the facts available, I can't get my head around it. I know Mickey Quinn is a vested interest, but until I hear more about the other side of it and the extent of the ban and why they've been banned for that long, that's how it seems to me in the face of it. And I just, I just feel so sorry for for Mickey, for everybody involved in, in, in the club who's suffering because of this. Yeah, you would hope it would be overturned. And apparently, from the information I got, the ban, the, I, I was I, I was also inquiring about whether there, there was some personal issues, you know, between the, the, the management of the club and the county board management, because it does look like there's something toxic at play here and it doesn't seem right. The ban is up to 48 weeks. 
Like, they could have banned them for a month, for two weeks if they wanted. They gave them the full 48 weeks. Like, I mean, this is what I just don't understand. Because first I was told, well, their hands were tied by the rule book. And I was like, so what does the rule book say? It says up to 48 weeks. Well, they didn't have to give them 48 weeks. Like, I mean, Connor, like, this is outrageous. <laughs> it does seem, I didn't know it was up to 48 weeks. Like, that is, uh, well, what, what else can we do but give you the full extent of the, the law? <laughs> like, if I, if I hit a referee tomorrow, like, I, I, I'm looking at up to 48 weeks and, like how often does that get get halved? I just can't get how a whole club or like all the adult teams are getting the exact same punishment as one player would get for hitting a referee. And this is this is what a seven hundred and fifty euro fine it wasn't paid. I mean, like surely it didn't have to go come to this like double the fine or like you have a bit of squabble about the fine. But banning all the teams from playing football, and especially yeah, uh, as Mickey Quinn says, this year of all years as well, like forty eight weeks not playing football is just harsh. Yeah, exactly. So keep your eye out for that ruling tonight or tomorrow night, depending on whether the text message was sent today or the text message was pending and it was sent, uh, <laughs> sent yesterday. Yeah, I hope that's clear, clear as bloody mud. Um, so Joe Brawley is not having a good time of it. He's been embroiled in a in a bitter feud with Declan McBennett from RTE. And now his own, ta- his own county has turned against him, it looks like. His own county board um, have turned against him. So Derry GEA released a statement during the week and it said, strongly worded I would say, Derry GEA would like to dismiss recent media reports which claimed the county board is in an unhealthy financial position. The simple facts are Derry GEA is on an extremely solid financial footing. We are not in debt. And then they also refuted the claims that were made by Brawley that they're considering not fielding a team in next year's football championship. And Stephen Barker said, the suggestion that Derry GEA even discussed that is completely farcical and has no credibility whatsoever. Now, here's that word credibility popping up in relation to Joe <laughs> Brawley again. Uh, <laughs> like, I mean, Jesus talking about kicking a man when he's down. So maybe this is Declan McBennett. Credibility. What are the other ones? Informed, Informed opinion. opinion. Yeah, and ability to ability to articulate that opinion. So we're calling Brawley's credibility has been called in by his own county board chairman here, Conan. <laughs> Yeah, like it's um, like it's definitely an interesting one, and I can see where Brawley's piece is coming from. It was a very interesting piece at the time. Like this goes back to 2018 when uh, was it? Is it the AGM you called? Like Derry failed to appoint a treasurer. Like nobody stepped forward for that in 2018. So their old treasurer, Michael Hassan, who had done it for five years at another stage, he stepped in just to sort of save them. But but then in May of 2019, he stepped down and. I think it was described as like an impossible role just with all these growing spending demands and and there was a lot of reports at the time of financial difficulties. So it's not it's not unfounded. Like Brawley's not on his own. I remember a piece in the, the Irish news about this as well, and that had said something. I think it was by the end of twenty eighteen, like Derry's cash reserves were just over three and a half grand. You know, so like that's after right. all the, the net spend and, and and taking away money and like that's not a lot of money and then like so I can sort of see where Brawley's coming from though. I don't know if he's speculating or not. I don't know what his credibility is like but if he's talking about them not playing next year and if you're looking at reserves on a good year of three and a half grand like how how do you play next year if you're not making all that money like it, there was a report that said that their outgoings were like 65 to 70 grand a month which is a lot of money so you have to try and make that back somehow and it's harder in a place like Derry 
Yeah, well, the county board treasurer, Martin Devlin, said um, at the end of this financial year, Derry GEA will have capital assets valued over six million pounds with no outstanding debt. But then, funnily enough, further down in the statement, um, it says that Derry have secured an additional additional facility of up to 300,000 if required in line with our strategic strategic plan. That's uh, Stephen Barker saying that he says at this time with the current interest rates due, due to COVID-19, this just makes solid business sense. Uh, like, I mean, to say they're debt free, then to say they've borrowed 300,000. There's probably uh, the way I look at it here, Connor, is that, you know, Broly probably touched on something as per usual with Joe. He didn't have his facts completely right. It was an embarrassing article for Derry GEA. They've come out defending themselves. You know, they're saying there is no debt, but they've 300,000 debt. And I think the truth might lie somewhere in between this, <laughs> these two versions. Yeah, probably. And you, you have to think that, remember we were talking a few weeks ago, I think it was on the back of, it might have been on the back of what the Westmead chairman or, was saying or something like that about their ability, you know, what, what, how it's going to, how COVID is going to affect their ability to operate going forward between trying to fund the county team and all that sort of stuff. So like when you read what Joe had to say, even though he had to take into account, you know, he had to take with a pinch of salt that it was Joe Brawley that was writing it. It sounded like a it sounded like a situation that wasn't, you know, far removed from reality, especially when you consider the details that Conan has given just there about Derry's cash reserve. So, but then when I read it, to be honest with you, like, you know, the the, the figures that are mentioned to me, like 300, I don't want to say the 300,000 euro doesn't sound like a lot of money, but like that, like I've, I've, I'm, I'm thinking of Mayo, for example, I'm thinking the, the amount of time that Mayo tried to pay back the debt for Mikhail Park, for example. And the figures seem a lot less in comparison to some of the other county boards. And then when you hear what the treasurer had to say about, I think he said they've, they've planned for their loan repayments over the next few months and saying that they've, you know, saying that they're a very solid financial footing. So I was prepared to take, um, I was prepared to take what they say, like at face value and to say that they do, they do seem to have their house in order compared to compared to other counties to be honest but like while joe might have kind of stretched the bounds of what he was talking about i doubt he was there must have been something there there must be like he didn't just like you know come out of it he didn't just create it out of thin air so yeah. but like if i was like if, if like i'd be leaning on the side of what the what the dairy chairman and the treasurer have said because they seem to have the facts to back up what they're saying as well yeah, no, Dev. Well, Joe, Joe has got some. Uh, Kieran McKeever, obviously, a friend of his, is in on the county board um, as well. The one that will hurt their, Joe the most, which I think maybe he he probably stretched it out a little bit. There might be. There's obviously some truth in the three hundred thousand, but the idea that they're not going to enter a team in the championship next year for the Derry chairman to say that that is completely farcical and has no credibility whatsoever. That's a fair old burn um, for Joe. But we'll we'll move on um, from that one less because God, David Goff is back. Um, he saw the success of the cool camps and realised that if children don't get it at the cool camps, I'm perfectly safe to to uh, continue on refereeing. Doesn't seem like a logical conclusion to come to. It's great to have him back. He's the best. He's the best referee um, in the game. He's finally saw sense and came back. He's really up this social media game. Um, I'm calling him Goffy from now on. Ask Goffy has been um, trending. Or, or has been doing the rounds on Twitter where he's answering. I think this is fantastic from a referee, by the way. Um, referees don't put themselves out in the media. You never hear from them. David Goff is no problem going on social media, answering a few queries. So he's answering loads of different rule technical issues that supporters might have. And he's replying with the relevant screenshots from the rule book and his interpretation of them. Um, Conan, like this is a brilliant service to have. I was reading down through these genuinely interested in what was uh, going on. 
It's class. I remember just a couple of months ago, I did a I did a video of him, and I just wanted to pick his brain about things that I think referees give you fouls for, which they shouldn't. And he was brilliant in that. And like the amount of people who didn't know, like so, one of them was like the hand pass, and I didn't actually know this. He brought a different. I was talking about the hurling hand pass, and you, know, you throw it up in one hand. Obviously, allowed to do that, but he said if you have the ball in one hand and you're striking it from above, you know, some people push it from above, like, you know, they don't go underneath the ball. Yeah. He said, if your fist isn't closed there, that's a foul. Like, you know, it has to be closed when you're doing, when you're striking it from above your hand, right. which, you know, which was just really interesting. The other one was, if you drop the ball and fall over, you're allowed to bat it on the ground and you can score a goal. So he, he has all these insights that it's definitely very important that a lot of players know and a lot of referees, obviously, as well. And like, this is a, this is a good service, more power to him. It was. And like, I mean, I was I was just looking at one which I thought was interesting. And he was asked about hand passing over a player's head and running around and catching it on the other side. And he said the rule says that only it's only a foul if the player plays the ball um, up with the hand and catches it again before it touches the ground. And I or our goalpost or whatever comes back off the goalpost. But then I was thinking, like, what an underused move that that um, is. Why don't we see? More of this. You're thinking immediately of uh, Mick Fitzsimons in the All-Ireland Final last year. He did it. I'm not sure what Kerry player he did it to. I've done it myself. More at underage level. And you often see players at underage level doing it. Like a big midfielder who wants to run the end of the field. He's almost taking the piss out of people. And like maybe at senior level, you do that once too often and somebody bursts you or, you know, hits you on the other side. But... I've had it done to me. And by the time somebody passes it over your head, the natural instinct is to look up or jump up to block it. If it goes over your head, by the time you come back down, hit the ground, realize what's after happening, your man's caught the ball, which has bounced on the other side, and he's gone a mile away, Connor. I don't know why we don't see this more often. Well, I think uh, I think it's not used more often, Willie, because I've seen it pulled. So while David Goff is clear on the rules, really, I even if it bounces, yeah, you've seen it pulled. Yeah, yeah, I have seen it pulled, and it's the type of thing that like that, like do you know when it gets into a ref's head where if everybody makes enough of a noise, do you know if everyone shouts, you know, I mean, oh, that's a foul, or whatever. Sometimes it can get into a ref's head if he's not one hundred percent sure on the rules that it must be a foul, and he give a foul for it. Now I haven't seen it that often, but I definitely have seen it, and I've seen it pulled wrongly, obviously because of David Goff's interpretation. Because I knew that myself, like. I jeez, I haven't tried it. I never tried it. I don't don't have the. I, I wouldn't have the pace to collect it on the on the return. But well, you, uh, you don't even, you don't even need pace because your man is sold up like a kipper. Because he's he's yeah, by the time you by the time you pass him, he's in mid air trying to you know potentially block it. I suppose what I should have said, Willie, is I wouldn't have the brain to think of it in the in a tight situation like that. So, but uh, I have I have I have seen it pulled, and I'd say that's why. And the other point you made, I think, is that like. Um, it's the type of thing that like you know uh, really old school managers when they see a fella dinking up a ball if say they, if, if a manager saw somebody through try that and it didn't come off they'd nearly take the player off for trying it for having the audacity to try it which is the wrong thing to do I'm just speculating over to why as to yeah, why yeah. use more often because it is very yeah, I think you put up you referenced a clip last night from Mead and you there was a clip as well of Michael Mick Fitzsimons playing for Kula and it was the exact situation where it can be very handy when you're over at the sideline and you've maybe one or two fellas coming in on you you've nowhere to go right you know so but what you can do is fist it over their head because they can't shoulder they can't shoulder you over the line because Without that's, the ball. A third, that's a third man tackle do you know what I mean yeah yeah so like, and it was used 
really well by Mick Fitzsimons and the guy from Mead in that situation. So I don't know, like I, maybe after the fact that it was publicised now in the last week, you'll see everybody tried it this weekend and then David Goff answering a load of more questions come Monday morning. You do feel like a twit if you get it done to you, Conan. I don't know if you've you've uh, been on the receiving end. I, I haven't, but I, I see what you mean about being underused, yeah, because I'm thinking like I definitely should have used that more in my career because I'm not that strong on the tackle, so I'm sort of conditioned to, you know, if I'm one-on-one with a player I'm not often going to try and go by him I'm going to look for a pass, whereas that's just the easiest way, like that was a great a great term you used there, sold up like a kipper <laughs> like that's just such a great way, like and you're right, if you don't have pace, if you don't have, if you're not that strong on the ball, what, what a way just to sort of have somebody flat on their heels, they can't touch you as Connor says and you're by them at least. Like you might not get the whole way down the pitch, but you've got a way more space, and you've taken one man out of it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Let's see more of this uh, hand passing it over someone's head and collecting it after the bounce. Don't try it in the winter. It's stupid in the winter. We know you never bounce a ball in the winter, lads. You never bounce a ball in the winter. Um, I was thinking of Ask Goffy, lads. I actually had a tweet written out for the Ask Goffy, and then I went, Ah, look, I won't. I'm not going to go down this road. Um, and the tweet I I wrote out to Ask Goffy was if Kevin McManaman fists the ball wide, the umpire waves it wide, but Kevin McManaman says it's a 45. Is it a, is it a 45? <laughs> I have to say, I thought it was an absolute classic, and then I said, I'll leave him alone. I'm not going to get, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get into that. Um, talking about that, or that, that was them playing against Kerry. Talking about Kerry, their chairman, Tim Murphy, has been talking about increasing the amount of clubs in the championship because again this year like we mentioned on Monday Dr Crokes are the only club that are in the semi-finals the other three are area clubs so there's only eight senior clubs and there's eight area clubs in the Kerry championship and that's all fine as long as the area clubs don't get too strong so if they were to maybe increase the senior teams from from uh, eight to twelve for example they're pulling four current intermediate teams away from those area area clubs, Conan, which makes sense. It takes a little bit of the strength away from them and maybe rebalances it a bit because realistically, the area teams shouldn't be really dominating the whole time. It's it's a great idea and I really like it. I think a lot of counties should do it. It gives junior players um, and intermediate players from all over the county a chance to play in the senior championship. It's brilliant. But at the same time, you want the clubs, you know, to be maybe three and one towards the clubs rather than the area teams. Ideally, yeah. I suppose. I, I can't believe more counties don't do it. Like I'm sure we've like we're what Mayo, May Leash, and and Derry all represented here, and we probably had a conversation in each county talking about. Geez, you see what they do down in Kerry? That's class. Like yeah. it's, it's well, weird. it took it took me a long time to figure out what they were doing, but now that I know what they're doing, yeah, it's <laughs> <seems> great. <laughs> it it was great. done in Mayo. It was done in Mayo, Conan, years ago. Was it? Yeah, in the very early when I when I first started playing um, championship, it used to be done the, the early two thousands. So, but it was only junior clubs, so right. they, they didn't extend to intermediate. But that was that's going back to two thousand and two, two thousand and three, and hasn't been done since. Right. Well, that's not a bad idea either. Like an intermediate championship has prestige enough. It's not far mm-hmm. off senior. You're winning that. You're going up senior anyway. It gives the junior clubs a chance, maybe. Um, yeah. To play in the senior championship, there's definitely uh, there's some there's some there's some sort of rig, w- wiggle room, anyways. But I think the idea that the area teams are dominating when they're not actually clubs, do you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't think that's I don't think that's probably the way they envisage envisaged it when they started uh, when they started doing it. A lot but, more. Ca- Go on. Just another point on that, Willie, that I meant I meant to add is that like what 
when it comes to provincial as well, now, now senior is different because obviously the strongest the strongest clubs are there for senior and divisional clubs can't go on to compete in, in provincial championships. But I know that, like, obviously, look, listen, the quality of clubs coming out from Kerry is brilliant anyway. But when you're limited to eight senior clubs, right, then your intermediate clubs are stronger. Your junior clubs are stronger as well. And that, like, it's it's one of the reasons, it's another reason, possibly, why Kerry clubs have, have, have tended to dominate in province, in, in All-Ireland club competitions as well at intermediate and junior over the years, too. Oh, yeah, no, there's, that's definitely the case. I remember us talking about that before, and Kilkenny as well, because they have so few uh, senior teams. It definitely has something to do with it. Um, Lockmore Casalini um, are playing this weekend, and it's their eighth weekend in a row. And they're like the they're unique, I suppose, in Tipperary in that they have loads of dual players um, playing for them, including the McGrath um, brothers. So they're playing Nina Rogue um, this weekend in the senior championship final. And then the following Saturday, they're playing Moyle Rovers in the semi-final of the football. So that'll be 10 weekends in a row. So they're the complete opposite. They're the week on, week off example. Um, Noel McGrath was talking about it and he's kind of saying this is fantastic we have a game every week a little bit like my understanding of it is I have to correct another mistake that I made last or on Monday Shell Maliers are not out of the championship like I thought they were they, they play Matty Ford's club uh, Kyle and Aaron um, in, in a group game there's groups of three so you have another chance so I suppose if they win that one they have a chance of going on they're not out like I said I, I got do you know what I did when I saw that result lads and I was stupid because I, I knew it. We did a show not so, or not so long ago about saying at least to have a second chance in Wexford. I was so obsessed with being right about <laughs> <laughs> about being right because I, I was saying they couldn't be right now after winning that championship. And look, now they're out without even thinking. <laughs> and I, <laughs> so I definitely got that uh, Shell Maliers um, one wrong. Um, they're still in the championship but I'm still right. Will we agree on that, uh, Conor? <laughs> I think you've sold yourself up like a kipper here, will we? <laughs> okay, well, I'll put in that Lockmore one just to get the Shell Maliers uh, correction in because Noel McGrath, to be fair to him, I love him as a player. He doesn't have the most interesting quotes um, in the world when you when you read them. Um, Pierce Hanley, uh, Connor. So he's 31 years old. He is retired. He's kind of been riddled with injuries the last few years since he's gone to these Gold Coast Suns. So, like, I mean, he's made 169 appearances. Only Jim Steins, Ty Canelli, and Zach Tuhi have made more. Um, I didn't realise John O'Matney, he actually played for Mayo. I thought this he was snapped up when he was 18, recruited yeah. at 18, and still had time to play in 2007 after he did the leave insert. Um, he played a qualifier against Cavan. He played a qualifier against Cavan Woolley and he played a qualifier against Derry up in Celtic Park that I went up to, I remember. Mayo got right. absolutely hammered. Where did he play? Where, what position did he play? Centre forward. Centre forward, jeez. Centre forward, forward in both games. So, he was, yeah, he was only 18. And to be honest, at that stage, I think we knew the writing was on the wall that he was uh, that he was on his way to Australia anyway. So it was kind of see, see Pierce while we can, basically. But we didn't. We probably didn't figure at that stage that he was going to go on to do so well in the AFL because... I was even just looking back there. I think he was only the tenth ever player to make to make the move. And as you said, there he's only behind Jim Steins, uh, Ty Canelli, and Zach Tui. And we were paying tribute to Zach Tui there a couple of weeks ago, and we were saying that, like, you were saying how Zach is so durable. Do you know, like he's uh, he's yeah. just an athlete, and he rarely gets injured and stuff like that. And be, despite like Pierce Hanley's been riddled, as you said, the last four years, and he still got up to 170, but uh, maybe 169 appearances, um, which is which is amazing. Like, consider like. 
those four lads, Steins, Canelli, Zach Tui and Pierce Henley, are far and away, you know, uh, far and away ahead of everybody else. The, the the Irish players that have gone over to 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 kind of to to the AFL and made a success of it. So like it's we've we've kind of forgotten about Pierce Henley to a certain degree because he's been injured for the last few years. But what well, like yeah. he had and he had an absolutely fantastic career. And like from our point of view. We kind of, you know, the initial hope at the at the beginning is, I mean, you might come back either for a Ty Canelli style year and then go again, or just, you know, maybe maybe get fed up of Australia and come back and, and help Mayo. But we soon realised that he was too good uh, for Brisbane and and uh, to for for that to happen. But uh, you know, he's uh, regularly, you know, used to be high in the Brisbane's best and fairest. I think he was always in the leadership group. I think I saw it. They were paying tribute to him at the Gold Coast for for being a leader while he has been there. So listen, he's made a fantastic career for himself for himself out there. Looks like injury has cost him, but he spent most of his out of life out there, Willie. So it looks like he's probably going to stay out there. And listen, we if 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 the Mayo dream doesn't happen, we'll, we'll wish him all the best down under. Yeah, he's opening up a gym out there. So like, I mean, the idea that he's coming home would is a non-runner. It looks as far as that. I saw Connor Mortimer tweeting a tribute to him asking him if he needed any advice about the whole gym management that he's there he's there for him you know like a a, a, a DM might have kind of solved that one but isn't it Conan is it not a weird time to retire like I mean he's retiring mid-season I would have I would have even if he is injured I'd have seen out the rest of the season on my contract on the treatment table <laughs> like I mean what's he doing yeah not everybody's like you will <laughs> I am a known mercenary yeah. oh I probably would have done the same to be honest Um, maybe he just wants to cut ties just so mentally he can be in a different place and then get going with his gym I suppose which he probably couldn't do if he's still contracted to be there every day yeah yeah that's probably it that's probably it but that's it in a, in a weird way he was never like I don't know maybe I'm wrong but Ty Canelli was very high profile I know he won one Zach too he's very high profile Pierce Hanley was never really that high profile out there maybe that is Connor because we never really saw him playing enough at home although we didn't really see Zach playing at home either I don't know am I, am I wrong or is it just my perspective on it that he never really got talked about as much at home nationally as maybe Zach or Ty or, 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 or Marty Clark for example did you see, I think he did well. He was probably around 2013, 2014. So that, that's six, seven years ago. So he's about five years out in Australia at that stage. And at this at that stage, he was one of the, he could have been one of the, he was probably the one of the best Irish players out there, if not the best at that time, around 2013, 2014. And I know there was a lot of talk about him at the time because that's when Mayo were in, you know, we're starting to make All-Ireland finals. And regardless of what the fact that it was never going to happen, there was always speculation about whether Pierce Handley could be the missing link. You know, the, could he could he come home and finally, you know, help Mayo get across the line? But now, Connor, but, I have to pu- I have to pull you up here. Speculation in a pub in Kilshima is not national speculation. I, <laughs> okay, so let's say it went to the pubs in Mayo and maybe local media. In Mayo, so I'll, I'll go that far. But, uh, okay. but no, like I, I as I, as I said, it's because the last few years has been injured. We haven't heard as much of him as we yeah. have Canelli, and I think we're we're kind of missing out on. You know, we often get clips of maybe Conor McKenna and Conor Glass and Zach Tui and what they're doing on social media, which wouldn't have been as prominent, let's say, in 2013, 2014 when he was doing his thing. But um, it, I, I think at the at the height of his career, he mightn't have been as high profile as maybe Zach, uh, Zach Tui or Taikinelli, but he wasn't far off either. Yeah, not too. I was trying to get him on the show before, but it's very awkward getting these Australian fellas because of the time difference and everything. But we'll try and get him on it um, on the show in the next 
in the next few weeks. Um, we spoke about Dan Patrick, uh, Conan, earlier on in or on Monday and how they've been thrown out of the championship. And County Board Chairman Jack Devaney has been talking about, he said, talking about this. He says, it's unfortunate on Dan Patrick. It's not their fault and it's nobody's fault, really. As it stands, they, would be, they wouldn't be out of self-isolation until sometime next week. Now, Dan Patrick, PRO, Collie Quinn, um, he he completely d- doesn't accept that. He said there was a clear line of action available to the county board that would have avoided our expulsion. As per public health guidelines, all our players were tested over the course of last weekend and will be again over the course of this weekend. Pending a favourable outcome to these tests, we would have been free to play the fixture with Carrie Duff on Tuesday the 8th of September. Unfortunately, the county board opted not to consider this course of action. So it seems, it seems, and now they're in a relegation playoff. And to make this matters even more complicated, Carrie Duff, who they were supposed to play, have since won their quarterfinal against uh, Brinesford and um, um, so they're they're now into the quarterfinal so if Dan Patrick want to contest this which they do it's going to get very messy because the team they were supposed to play have already got on around Colin yeah so I think I think they're they're playing Brinesford in the quarterfinal I think I'm, I'm right in saying Carrie Duff but well, they, beat, they beat Longstone yeah they're, they're playing Brinesford in the quarterfinal thanks but, but that's um that's it's really annoying for Don Patrick as well because they were free to play the first game of Carried Off, which got called off at Carried Off's request. First two games, yeah, the first yeah, two so games. Like, that's especially like really mm-hmm. sore. I can still see where the county board come from a little bit, but I think this stuff should have been it should have been made way more clear to start of the championship. Just like you know, if anybody has a case of COVID, we can't stop the championship. You know, and just everybody agree to this and we'll move on. Like you know, with with that in mind, but. Seems like that didn't happen, and people are looking for you know special request, not special request, but their own individual request. And I can see why Don Patrick want to do that, but uh, I don't know. It's 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 such a mess, and I think this is why relegation definitely shouldn't be a thing in championship this year. I think promotion still should be allowed, but like relegation, you don't know why a team are missing games, and like in this case, we do know it's because of a COVID nineteen outbreak. You know, so with the fact that the team are now in danger of being relegated because of that. It just seems very unfair. And that's I do. Yeah. On the table. I think I think for me, no team should be thrown out. In the spirit of the year we're after having, yeah. the teams are back from the lockdown. They're training really hard. And because of three or four days, I don't think any team should go out of it. I think the county team, instead of the 14th of September to have everybody maybe make it the 17th. Do you know what I mean? Just don't throw out a club unless it gets to a stage where it's a farce and it's a weak delay, which mm. we can't stand over. But Down Patrick are saying it's not a weak delay. You know, they could line out on Tuesday all going well. I would, geez, I don't know, Connor. I would give them until the Tuesday, leave them stay in the championship. And, you know, because let's be honest, the next round, although they seem to be playing it off very quick if the, if the, if the, if the match after had been played already since since this was meant to be in play yeah obviously yeah but it just said the whole thing strikes as just really really unfair especially as you said there where they would have been in a position to play the game you know the first the first two occasions if i'm not mistaken so like you, you'd like to think that the spirit of the rule as opposed to the rule would actually come into play but like it doesn't look like this it's going to happen and like uh, like i know they're not going to let it rest i just i just don't know how this is going to re- be resolved to Don Patrick's satisfaction, to be honest, which is a pity because they didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, well, that's the thing. And I think that even a bit of advice for Don Patrick is, yes, you've been very hard done by, like, what are you going to gain from, you know, appealing this and then you just mess up the Down Championship. And, you know, like, I mean, that's too messy. Feel very bad for them and they've been harshly done. 
But if they're going to kind of start appealing and, you know, the, the whole down championship is postponed and doesn't get played, I don't think that's really a great solution to the whole thing either. But there's no, it's the, the problem here is with, I, I, di- I did have to laugh at the county board um, chairman, Jack Devaney, um, as it's, or it's not their fault. It's not anybody's fault, really. So, like, I mean, he's making sure to say that the county board included in that. I do think it's the county board's fault <laughs> that they that they could have given them those couple of days, considering how you know fair they were with the with the first two postponements. There's no doubt about that. My, I will finish up here, lads, on a good news story. So, Ratdowney Errol Chairman Tim Barry, like he's had to have broken all records. When he lined out, he's 72. He lined out in goals for the junior seat footballers against Anna Nock um, during the week. And he joins us on the line now. Um, how did you get roped into this one, Tim? Well, no, it just happened that we only had 12. And I was the 13th. And you have to have 13 to play a junior C match. And that right. was it. So you had no other choice. You were bullied into it. <laughs> I was bullied into it, yeah. I had no other choice. So I heard I heard at the start the initial plan was to stick you in corner forward and then you could just sneak off over the sideline, you know, whenever you got a chance. Well, that was sort of the initial thought, but sure, the referee is not blind. <laughs> <laughs> so, some, so some people say they are, but anyway, no, no, no. We, I, I went into the goal, sure, I had, I had very little to do, no, little or nothing to do. So right, well, I, you, made, you made one save anyways. I did. I well, I did say because I hit the post and went back out, and one of their lads came in and stuck it in the back of the net. Then, right, right, okay. Because you don't sound like a Rathdowney man there. No, I'm not. I'm originally from Dublin. Right, okay. So you're a football man. Well, no, it's hurling. I was Amal was interested in, not, not football really. Right, so I right. I followed the football. I followed the football a bit, but not not like hurling. Right. Were you sore the next day? No, I wasn't. No, I, wasn't I, wasn't I had nothing to do, sir. All I did was stand there between the sticks, and that was it. Yeah, well, I hope you did your recovery session now and everything the day after. Oh, I, did, very... I, did, I, did, I did all that. I'm out of playing around the golf there today, so I'm all right. Jeez, you're absolutely, you're absolutely flying. Well, listen, it's after going nationwide anyway. 72 years of age. Surely it's a record that'll never be, that'll never be beaten. I don't know about that. <laughs> people, are, people are getting fitter all the time <laughs> two, two other things I want to ask you I believe you took a phone call during the match which is very unprofessional yeah I did actually yeah my wife rang me during the match yeah she and, did. You took, and you took the call I took the call I did I did I didn't tell her I was in the goal though <laughs> <laughs> and I heard another little birdie told me was that there was a water break after 15 minutes and you were heading up for it and the referee told you to get back in the goals because you wouldn't make it back down in time for the game to start. Is there any truth to that? He did the fecker, he did. He told me, he's a nice fella, Brendan McCann is his name, yeah, nice fella. Right, right. What did you do for kickouts? Oh, I had to full back kick them out. Okay, so that's not too bad. Did you do any organising of the defence or were you vocal? What was your communication like? I left a few shouts out, all right, but not very much. <laughs> so are you hoping are you hoping to retain your place for the next day or are you retired again? I think no, it was no, 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 I don't I don't think I'll be fighting for my place. Right, right, I don't okay. think I'll fight for my place. No, well listen, you can still be part of the panel if they win it and you have a good team. You're, you're going no, out to win yeah. that. You might get a medal at the end of it, right? Oh, nice, yeah. 
<laughs> well, listen, Tim, I know you're I know you're playing golf for the day. Come here, we let you go. And thanks very no, much for taking No matter. Thanks very much. Brilliant stuff from Tim there. Um, 72. It's not bad going. Um, I don't think that'll ever be beaten. So we'll be back in part two and we'll look ahead to the games at the weekend. Happiness hit like a train on a track. I don't really know Jim anymore. Me and him were like best friends when, when we played, you know. He's seen the light of Jesus and the uh, I'm still like fighting the devil, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the dog days are over. The dog days are done. The horses are coming, so you better run. Run fast for your mother, run fast for your father, run for your children, for your sisters, and brothers. Alright, so let's the games on TV this weekend. We've no Friday night game. Am I right in that? I am no one to get to get this one wrong. There's nothing been advertised anyway, so um, I didn't see anything for Friday night. On Saturday night, RT are in Tyrone, so they're coming with a double header of Tyrone semi-finals. And the Tyrone championship's been uh, pretty good. Cole Island play Trillick. Cole Island, a very good team to watch, and we know all about Trillick's um, players. And they're they are the 2018 and the 2019 champions. Trillick, obviously. The, the defending champions so definitely this is definitely worth watching we have two great matchups in this one because we've Parik Hamsey and we've Michael McKiernan two inter-county uh, defenders on Cole Island side and we have Maddie Donnelly and Lee Brennan two inter-county forwards on this side so if this isn't Parik Hamsey picking up Maddie Donnelly Michael McKiernan uh, picking up Lee Brennan well then I don't know what I'm talking about Conan <laughs> No that's the, that's what I would be going with anyway unless you were wanting to free up Pori Kamsi um, from a Cole yeah. Island point of view just to try and set him loose. But I think Maddie Donnelly's too much of a threat to not be not be looking to hammer that hammer. And I, I think on the other side, Rory Kelly, I, I talked about him the last day, a fullback for Trillick's a really good defender. And him and Ronan O'Neill might be a really tasty battle as well. It's a great game. Right, definitely it is a good game. Uh, two evenly matched teams. I don't know what it is about Tyrone football, but they're always evenly matched team teams. In the other one, then, we have Dungannon against Errigal Kieran. I'm surprised that the first one isn't second and the second one first. Um, although Dungannon are kind of uh, up-and-coming team. They haven't won it since 1956. But they're, is the biggest town in Tyrone. So, like, I mean, it's bigger than Oma. So, like, they've been underachieving um, pretty much. They're big or they're, they're very young. Um, they're very fit, very strong. Porrick McNulty and big midfielder uh, plays with them. They also have uh, Paul Donaghy. Mm-hmm. Um, he kicked 14 points off Michael Cassidy. We know Michael Cassidy uh, wing forward for the for Tyrone seniors. I think seven of that fourteen were from play. They transferred him from Eden Dork. I didn't hear about this transfer, Conan. Maybe you did. Um, Eden Dork are in are just outside Dungannon Town, so they're massive rivals. Dungannon have have poached their best their best forward, and he kicked fourteen points, and now they're in a semi final. So I wouldn't say this this news um, has gone down too well in Eden Dork. No, is 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 a big loss. Like I'm not sure exactly the details why he ended up transferring, but like he's just shit hot at club level. And talked about him scoring 14 points. Like even the ones that weren't from play, like he was kicking over 45. So he was putting like 40 meter frees on the ground and clipping them over. He was hitting them from the from like different angles, different ranges. He's a really top quality corner forward. Like and like they took a big scalp there the last day against Ardbo, who are just perennially usually in the semi finals. So that would give him a lot of confidence. They did it after extra time as well. I don't know, like, I, I can definitely see, I would have gone with the other game, 
Second, but this just might be a sort of sneaky classic between Ergo Kieran and Dungannon, so it's a, it's a one to look forward to. Yeah, and it's been a much higher uh, scoring championship um, than usual, but watch out for Paul Donaghy. I'm not sure I'm too impressed. It's all right. Listen, you can accuse me of going to Parnells all you want, but going to transfer into a team down the road, mm, not too <laughs> sure about that. Let's see, kind of stick. Um, at least they're not playing Eden Dork. Anyways, Paul Donaghy might need a, a guard escort or something like that. <laughs> Then on Sunday, we have, um, and the great thing about Sunday, lads, on TG Cahar is there's no deferred games. So we're seeing two live games. It makes a huge difference to me, lads. I don't care what game it is. Once it's live, I'll have an interest in watching it. If it's not live, the curiosity is killing me. I've checked the result. If it's a low-scoring game, I'm not going to watch it. And if it, you know, even if it's a good, if it's a great high-scoring game, I know the result. I'm not. There's no suspense. If 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 I know one team's won and the other team are well ahead, I know this comeback is coming and I'm ready for it. And I don't know, uh, Connor. It's just to have two live games and two good ones. In fairness, Clara versus Ballyhill Sham and Ross Common uh, semi-final Clonnagail versus Porrick Pierce's yeah I'm, I'm the same I think it was fine to like you know record a game and then watch it later before Twitter but like the, the temptation just to check especially when you've, you've planned out your Sunday the temptation to check you know what the score was yeah. in the game is just too much but uh, uh, yeah no the second game in particular looking forward to because it's um, well, close enough to here down in Mayo but it's uh, it's a repeat of the the, the Roscommon final from last year as well so and that was uh, I uh, Pierce, Pierce has won it but I remember it, was, it got a little bit hairy for them in the end and I think it was the first county title they'd ever Ever won it in eight or nine attempts or something like that. So they've got their monkey, the monkey off their back, but they're playing the like Bridget's has obviously obviously been the powerhouse in, in Roscommon the last few years, but traditionally Clonagale are the big team. So so there, there's a certain kind of confidence that'll come with that too. And some good um there's like Roscommon players on both sides. You've got the, the shines for for Clonagale, Alton Harney, and then you've the dailies and and Hubert Darcy. I think Conan is a big fan for Pierce's as well. So yeah, a, a good job that it's live as well. So like um just to, I, I think it might clash with Knockmore and Ballina, which is the, the Mayo semi-final on Sunday as well. But we'll be able to tune into one on the laptop and, and one on TV. So looking forward to that. Jesus, Conan, I forgot Hubert Darcy. Jesus, like, I mean, this is just put up, make yourself a cup of tea and sit down and watch this man at full forward. Guaranteed. What's his guaranteed score? 1-2. Is that what he's usually guaranteed to get? I think it's guaranteed 1-1, one, one, but like, one, yeah, one. We'll, we'll go with 1-2. Just like, talk about somebody who loves getting out on a Sunday and just ramrodding people off the pitch. Just, uh, it's just a joy to watch. It's nobody I like better when I'm sitting on my arse with a cup of tea, as you say, not having to work hard or do anything. Just watch somebody else do it all for you. Yeah, exactly. They're back in, or they're Kildare back in action, lads. We know that that uh, restriction was just randomly lifted, you know, mid-term um, during the week. So they're absolutely delighted. They're trying to immediately get their games underway. I think it was Monday night there that was lifted um, and it wasn't supposed to be until the 6th of September. Something along those lines. A bit like the leash and Offaly one. Just these lads just making it up as they go along as far as I'm concerned. Sometimes I think these people, because they're medical experts, get more credit than they deserve. That they're Just because they're medical experts, people put trust in them. Whereas, like you say, in you drive from Mona into Armagh and there's a whole other set of health experts and everybody has to put their trust in them and have a completely different opinion. And then you get a, a flight to Sweden and you have a whole lot of other medical experts and you have to put your complete trust in them and they've got a completely different idea. Like, I mean, it's almost like religion. You're believing in different things and they're all kind of contradictory. I don't know what to make of it. But like, I mean, again, I go back to it. Nefet, I've lost all, all faith in them. Anyways, back to GEA. Uh, Kildare, Kildare back in the game. 
uh, Johnny Doyle was talking, saying there's, a, there's, a, there's certainly a lot of pressure, particularly on dual clues. Um, you, if you pick up an injury or two, your season could be over. And, and that's fair enough. I don't know. I don't think dual is a huge concern in Kildare because they have a full round of hurling on Friday night and then they have a full round of football on Saturday. But there is no doubt, Conan, that this Kildare Championship, they've lost a lot of time now. And they're definitely up against it to get both run off. Again, I'm not sure dual is a huge issue. No, I'm just glad. I, th- I thought you were going to throw that Nefed question over to me there. Or just, <laughs> <laughs> what, what so, I, I just, I just like to get these things off my chest. <laughs> yeah, I was just terrified. It's going to be. What do you think of that, Conan? And I was like backing away from the microphone. <laughs> um, but yeah, like it is. It's going to be a squash. Like again, maybe a lot of people were expecting this. I, I sort of, to be honest, expected this in more counties. And going into the club championship, I thought there would be a lot of counties that didn't finish their championship. So this is the one that's most at risk. And if they can squash it all in, and I think it's it's a great victory for everybody in the GA just even if it's a bit of a mess the fact that every county championship would get played I think is something I didn't see a few weeks back yeah no definitely not there's some other games to look out for in leash we have a few good games um Stradley take on St Joseph's two of the traditionally big teams in leash and that's a knockout because both of those teams lost their first round games huge game in in the second round this is not knockout because both teams won their first games Port Leash against Port Harlington um, Port Harrington should have beaten Port Leash last year in the semi-final and if it wasn't for Bruno McCormick coming on and saving Port Leash they would have been in big trouble and we have the Celtic versus Rangers Arliss Killeen versus Arliss Kilcruz so I think about 10 years ago this would have been absolute bloodshed at this game but I think both teams have kind of slipped down the pecking order a little bit locally there's still uh, a lot of dislike there so it's just interesting whenever those two teams um, like these are two clubs that like have they're just literally down the road from each other and they've like dug up each other's goalposts or like or Arliss Kilcruz wake up Arliss Kilcruz wake up one morning and their goalposts have been dug up. This is where this is how bad the hatred has gone and gone on in those two clubs. But it's all calmed down. And it has to be said, not amongst the two sets of players, more against the the older people in the clubs, because the younger people, the younger players were actually open to potentially joining up. And if they had a jo- they had joined up maybe ten years ago, they would have been well able to beat Port Leash and there would have been some brilliant county finals instead of the kind of messy domination that Port Leash had. So I was actually disappointed. I would like to have seen them joining up back in the day and you'd win one, you'd lose one, you know, but there would have been a much bigger buzz around the Leash Championship because you would have had a proper rival, um, which we didn't have for too long. Um, like we mentioned, the Tipperary match, Lockmore Castellani versus Nina Airog. We have... Um, the other semi-final in that is Drummond Inch versus Killadangan, who lost the semi-final last year. And Monaghan GEA TV. We haven't talked too much about the Monaghan Championship outside of um, Clontibret. Um, Scottstown face Carrick Macross and Bally Bay Pierce's take on Inneskeen. That's Ushi McConnell's club, as we know. And you would fancy Scottstown and Bally Bay to both um, win that one and face off in the final. So there's loads of options. You'll be watching Knockmore Ballina, uh, Connor. You reckon, or it, it, you reckon, or, or definitely clashes with that Ross Common match. I'm I'm interested in the Knockmore Ballina match myself. Yeah, but the other one, Willie, is uh, Brafey against Westport on um, Saturday evening, and that's on Mayo GA TV as well. So that's going to be the. What time is that's, that? That's at half seven, quarter past or half seven. I'll, I'll have to double check that, but on. Um, on yeah, on Saturday evening in McHale Park. Um, so that's that's going to be the the much anticipated rematch of Lee Keegan against Aidan O'Shea. So they marked each other in the um, they played each other in the group. I think Westport won by a point, 
but the two lads marked each other and by all accounts it was uh, it was a battle of savers so they'll probably be going up against each other again and then yeah Ballinad Knockmore is at four o'clock quarter to four or four o'clock on um on Sunday as well. It'd be remiss of me, Wooly, to not to mention that my own club is playing an intermediate final, sorry, semi-final as a curtain raiser to the Brafie Westport game. We're playing against Hollymont Caramore on Saturday evening as well, which is also on AOJ TV. So uh, if, if if you haven't watched enough GA this weekend, maybe give that a look. Are you playing? Uh, yeah, well, hopefully, yeah, yeah. Right. Like it'd be nice. It'd be, it'd be nice for someone on this show to be actually playing with their club. <laughs> <laughs> we can. Yeah, we're shut down. Um, I'll be well, up that's, that's the Anyway, that's the plan. If uh, if if we don't go too badly, I'll I'll update you all on Monday. Actually, before you come in there, Conan, what's the production like on that Mayo fan TV? Like the Dublin one was pretty high. You had Ushin Langan and you had um, Coleman Goggins doing commentary now like I said the camera just follows the play like obviously they wouldn't have RT or Sky's level amount of cameras but like it's well watchable um it's not it's not perfect do you have full commentary teams and do you, do you have more than one camera or how how does Mayo TV work it yeah well it's to be honest well it's probably not the, not the best time to ask because uh, at the weekend the transmission went for about 20 minutes uh, it was actually during, it was actually during our quarterfinal against Cross and Liner, so Mayo GA TV had to issue an explanation and a refund for anyone who had uh, had paid for that game. But uh, bar a few teething issues, and there have been a few. Um, I, I like I can say there haven't been a few complaints about their coverage this year. I get it most weekends, and like it's it is a one camera setup, but it's easy to follow, as you say. It's not it's not RT or it's not Sky, but it's definitely very watchable. And in terms of the commentary, they have Mike Finnerty on the biggest games, who's obviously one of the best in the business. He's been doing Sky Sports for years. Um, yeah. Also have Liam Horan, who people would know, like he used to be a, a GA correspondent for the Irish Independent, would be very well known. And Michael D. McAndrew, who is uh, who's on Midwest and has, has delivered some famous commentary on Mayo games uh, over the years as well. So like the commentary commentary teams they have are top class. They have like the likes of John Ma and Martin Carney, who would have both been national analysts as well in recent years, and fellow from my own club, Tomas Morley, who is the current Mayo under seventeen manager as well. Declan Riley, who was in charge of Castle Bar when they were at their at their best in reaching All Ireland Club final. So, like, to, for the most part, bar a few teething difficulties, and there have been. I, like I said, I can't go without mentioning them, but it's definitely well watchable. Yeah, no, it's like I, I was kind of given out just I was almost messing on Twitter um, about media having a free pass and now you have to pay seven quid. But then again, I think about it. If I had gone up to Parnell Park to watch Ballymun, the FINA, I wouldn't have seen the hurling game. So it's a, it's a, it's it's fantastic now that even if the production, but you're not going to analyze games from watching it, um, Conan, but you can literally have your pick of any game, you know, in the country. It's amazing. Like, and to be honest, my eyes were only really opened up when we did that stream. I think Scaries were playing Thomas Davis, and like that's a small enough group game. And like, two thousand people watched that from all over the world. Like, you know, people were tuning in who used to be part of Scaries Harps, and they're tuning in from Canada and New Zealand and wherever else. So it's it's such an important thing, especially for people who aren't here, and now of course for people who can't go to the games. But I, I couldn't let TV talk go by without mentioning Antrim because their their championship this year has been one of the best and their service has been absolutely class and their semi-finals are on Saturday now as well so um, it's just been an unbelievable championship up there and I think it's going to keep going that way for the next three games as it is yeah, no, it was. It was St. Gall's knocked out. It was dark with the penalty shootout. You see, it's very hard on Monday to get everything. And sometimes these fan TV doesn't kind of appear until the Monday evening, you know, the clips of it or whatever. So we missed out on that. Um, I, th- I think that game was Tuesday, actually. So I think we were safe enough to... 
Ah, okay. Pretty sure it was Tuesday night. Yeah, in the dark, it went to extra time. St. Gauls missed a, a free from 13 metres out or 20 metres out maybe in the last minute to go two points up. And then Kieran McKenna for Port Glenone nailed this unbelievable free from about 42 metres out right beside the sideline, put it on the ground and he stroked it over and that, that brought it to penalties and uh, the rest is history. It was uh, folklore stuff, I think. Yeah, no, exactly. You're exaggerating a little bit by, by the sideline because I actually, you're not the only one that saw this free kick, but I'll let you, I'll let you off with that. I'll let you off with that. Come here, listen, lads. This sounds like a conversation that we'd just be having on the phone here rather than actually broadcasting it. So we'll we'll leave it there and we'll be back on Monday and we'll have a, we'll have a look um, back at all the matches at the weekend. So we'll talk to everybody then. Good luck. Both players have, have spoken with each other and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. But these fellas will get such a shit shot next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their f***ing houses for f***ing years.